Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon taking a couple of days off vacation, getting a little R&R. Let's uh, jump out, talk a little college football. Let's get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us now is the editor-in-chief of the Athletic College Football. He's Stuart Mandel with us back on The Big Show. Hi, Stuart. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Man, I'm great because college football is happening. More is coming. We're talking about a BYU game tomorrow. Uh, I'm glad that uh, that we're going to get some college football on the field this year. Yeah, I mean, obviously it was a long, long road to this point. Uh, but seeing the Mountain West schedule come out today, uh, expecting the Pac-12 schedule probably this weekend, uh, I just think it's great that we're going to, at least for about a seven-week period, have everybody back at once. The Mountain West, I'm glad you mentioned that because that is a great place to start. The big uh, big news around here today, BYU scheduling that game with Boise State on uh, on the December the 7th. And uh, looking over the rest of the, the Mountain West football schedule, and I know you tweeted about this, it looks like San Diego State has an open week, so does Air Force. What do you think? Is there a chance maybe BYU can pick up another game? Yeah, I'm wondering who this mystery opponent, San Diego State, is holding out for. Right. Uh, they, they specifically said that they're playing one one fewer a conference game than the others. I mean, that was important for BYU, no doubt, because I know they've, based on their performance these first two games, uh, fans starting to get excited. Could this team possibly go undefeated? Um, but it's just it's a very, you know, it's not a, a formidable schedule. It's not a schedule that would be taken seriously by the committee. So getting Boise State on there is a huge pickup. They can get another Mountain West team. Uh, particularly San Diego State, who's been uh, a very good program for a long time now, uh, would certainly be a nice list. Why do you think they're able to go earlier than the Pac-12, even though they made the decision to return and at similar times? Well, uh, it's I mean a bit puzzling, to be honest with you. I mean, the Pac-12 is following the NCAA recommendations that uh, you need six weeks of ramp up, uh, you know, an acclimation period, and then a full training camp. Uh, and that's why they're not starting till November 7th. Uh, San Jose State is literally driving five and a half hours away to another college to be able to start practicing for a game that is in 23 days. Uh, I, I'm a little worried, to be honest. I think there's a risk of injury if teams are returning to the field and playing a game. Um, you know, if their players aren't in game shape when they go to play an actual football game. Uh, but as we've seen throughout this, Every conference has their own medical advisors who all have different interpretations and different recommendations. And apparently they think this is enough time to prepare for a game. There was a, a Pac-12 uh, statement released today about the adjustments of some of the rules there in, in California. Uh, Austin and I were joking earlier today about the term cohort, which uh, we're now <laughs> learning so much about. But does that adjustment help, I guess, in some of the stuff with uh, that you're talking about with San Diego State? Yeah, that was the single biggest thing holding back um, the California schools. Now, um, I'm in Santa Clara County. That's where I live, and that is the county that is holding up Stanford and San Jose State. They need to, uh, because in California it's whichever is stricter, the county or the state, they need to 
adopt those same uh, rules for it to uh, for them to get finally get the go ahead. But uh, they had said that county had said they were waiting on uh, to see what California did. So you know that was obviously an important step. This is uh, the question I hadn't planned on asking, but you mentioned you, you live there in, in California. What did you make of the whole back and forth between Larry Scott and Governor Newsom and the governor of, of Oregon, for that matter, where when the Pac-12 was coming back, they said, oh, well, you know, as, as soon as we're allowed to do something from by the state, then we'll do it. And then that same day, Gavin Newsom said, like, we're not holding anybody back from doing anything. What what was that? <laughs> Uh, that was that was politics, I guess. Uh, if you also remember, a key moment there was the night before Gavin Newsom called Larry Scott or vice versa. I'm not sure which is when the USC players put out a letter to Gavin Newsom, uh, you know, urging him to give them the, the permission to practice. So I think he probably wanted to make it clear that he wasn't holding them back. But again, what he said that day, it took until today for them to actually officially revise their 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 uh, restrictions that keep the teams from practicing. So we'll never know from the time the Pac-12 announced in early September that they had made this deal for daily testing, how much, how aggressive were they really in terms of um, reaching out to the, to the officials and, and trying to get some of these rules relaxed because it seemed like nothing happened on that front at all until the USC players sent that letter and then all of a sudden things started happening very quickly. So on kind of a similar note, uh, Coach Whittingham had a, a media availability today, and he talked about their preparedness um, to to get ready for the season. And um, you know he he indicated and talked about how they've been working out throughout this. Now he made it very specifically to mention that they haven't been hitting, but they've been there and they've been working out and preparing for for quite some time. Um, in compared to some other programs which haven't been able to do anything. How much of an advantage is that going to be for a program that maybe didn't have to shut it all the way down? I think it's a big advantage. Um, they've Utah has probably been closer to teams in other parts of the country than they have been a lot of the Pac-12 in terms of from the time they got back or in early summer. Um, they've been able to do everything up to a training camp, and that has definitely not been the case, uh, uh, certainly at the California schools. Um, UCLA, USC, uh, Stanford only got most of their team back on campus last week uh, because of the school that's doing online only. They had sent the players home. So, um, yeah, I think uh, it's not. there's a reason Utah and, and Kyle Whittingham mentioned it today, and uh, we've certainly heard it behind the scenes. They were pushing to start earlier. Uh, they were ready to go October 31st. So was Colorado. Um, and then other schools were saying, whoa, wait a minute. We can't even practice in groups larger than six right now. How do you, how do you expect us to be ready for a game that soon? So that's how we reached November 7th. How much will only play playing seven games hurt the Pac-12 in their hopes to get a, a college football playoff uh, team? Is it completely eliminated, or is that door still open? Well, uh, nothing – there's no minimum game rule, obviously, and, uh, and we don't know how many games are the other leagues actually going to – teams can actually get in. Right. Um, we've had almost, I think it's over 25 games now that have been postponed or canceled, and at some point you're going to run out of dates to make those games up. Um, but I do think it would have to be just an absolute perfect storm. Uh, certainly they'd have to go undefeated, that Pac-12 team. Uh, I think because you're not playing anybody out of conference, 
I mean, now more than ever, it's going to a lot's going to be based on the team's reputation or the conference's reputation. The Pac-12 reputation has not been great, obviously, the last few years. So, um, if it's Cal going seven and zero, are they going to be taken seriously as a playoff team? Probably not. Uh, if it's Oregon, who won the Rose Bowl last year, if it's USC, who's a big brand name, that might be a different story. But you're still, I still, they would still need, I think. Um, I mean, they would need the other conferences to either have a lot of cancellations or uh, the SEC's playing 10 games. Maybe nobody makes it out there with two, two losses. Because I, I just think that there's going to be pushback to the idea that a team that only played seven games gets in over a team that played 10 or 11. Who do you like in the Pac-12 this year, Stuart? Um, I think because – well, first of all, I could be – nothing would surprise me about this weird seven-game season. Um I, I, I would probably pick. I probably would have picked Oregon before all the opt-outs they've had. They've had quite a few, including their the best offensive lineman in the country. I think I go with USC now. Uh, very experienced team. Obviously, great quarterback in Keaton Slovis. Um, now, some people say, how could you possibly have faith in Clay Helton? Well, I'm not sure I would have had faith in Clay Helton to beat Alabama and Notre Dame and and have the kind of season that that USC fans expect. But can he win six or seven games and win the Pac-12? Certainly. Stuart Mandel from The Athletic is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Circling back to BYU for a moment, they've, uh, as you alluded to, have looked really good through the first two weeks. And uh, the competition until Boise State, you know, Houston's in there and, and they might be a bit of a test. And, of course, Boise we know about. But, you know, there's also Texas-San Antonio and Louisiana Tech tomorrow night. How hard is it to gauge – how good a team is when the the competition is would seem so inferior. Yeah, it's it's going to be really tough unless you know. Certainly, if Navy goes on to have a really good season, then you look back at that first game and and wow, that that means they were pretty good. Um, I actually think Troy is not bad, and they just blew them off the field the other day. But certainly, there's not a lot of respect built in for a lot of these teams. Even Houston is coming off a pretty rough season and have lost Derek King. Um, so, yes, I think the Boise State game is important uh, because that's a team that everybody does respect that's been uh, you know, winning 11, 12 games for quite some time now. If they can win that one, I think that would be uh, you know, considered a signature win. I'm sure we've we've asked you this question multiple times in the past, uh, Stuart, but Eric Weddle was on our station today uh, with the previous show, and they got off onto uh, a tangent. Eric, of course, uh, went played at Utah, but they started talking about BYU, and he came up with a pretty strong opinion that uh, from a player's standpoint to get back into a conference because it's better for players to play for something, and he had a tough time thinking that independence was good for, for players and advocated, even if it is a G5 league or the Mountain West, to to get into a league. Where are you at on BYU and independence and uh, the, that as, for, as far as the health of the program? Yeah, I mean, I've been asked about it so many times, and, and I've always said I think, uh, you know, I understand why they do what they do. I certainly understand the, the motivation and, and the exposure from that ESPN deal, but, I mean, certainly none of us could have predicted the pandemic, obviously, but it kind of exposed the difficulty of being an independent in 2020. Having, you know, it's amazing that they were able to put together a schedule, but it's a, uh, you know, it's it's not the kind of caliber of teams BYU would like to be playing, so... I would agree with Eric. I think um, playing for a Mountain West championship, playing for a New Year's Six Bowl, because obviously, as we know, they're not—they're really not guaranteed. Anything. They could go nine and zero this year and, and still be in a 
a lower tier bowl um, because they didn't get ranked high enough. That the fact that at least one of those group of five champions is guaranteed a New Year's Six bowl, I think is is a is a is a reward that um, you know makes things more interesting for the players. Do you think the Mountain West would take them back? Would that be an easy uh, uh, relationship to repair? Um, I know there's a lot of bad feelings on both ends of it, but at the end of the day, it's a business, and it would be good business for the Mountain West to have BYU back. I mean, look at the fact that they, I think it's pretty telling that they made an exception for Boise State. I mean, literally, like, they're going to play one less conference game to be able to let them play BYU. That tells you how important that game is for TV, uh, for, for the Mountain West TV deal. So um, I think that's pretty telling about how important they consider BYU's brand to be. And so it would certainly be in their interest to bring them back. Stuart Mandel covers college football for The Athletic. In fact, editor-in-chief uh, for The Athletic College Football with us here on The Big Show. And, Stuart, we can't thank you enough for joining us. We always appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thanks for having me. It's our friend Stuart Mandel uh, from The Athletic. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, there's hard feelings on both sides. You know, we've, we've watched that play out, the Mountain West and, the, and, uh, and BYU. You know, all the old-school Mountain West teams not scheduling BYU and football on purpose there for a few years. We've seen that fade away. I wonder if just because of the overall value, like he's talking about there, I mean, they made an exception for Boise State here if they would get over it pretty quick. My guess is that they would, and the, the breaks would be put on from the BYU side. Uh, my my guess is also that all those bad feelings, Jake, are not Chad Bunn's fault. No, they are not Chad Bunn's fault. None of that. Now there's a there's old, a callback. There's an old bit that was pretty funny. Uh, if there are still ill feelings from the Mountain West towards BYU, like Stewart just said, and like you were mentioning, that all gets smoothed over real quick when the old uh, deposit slip gets filled out. Yeah, right. I I think so too. And they but were, I don't know if BYU is interested, honestly. Right. That that would be the holdup. That I don't think it would come from the Mountain West side. I yeah. bet I bet you there'd be some posturing and you know uh, grumble, grumble, grumble. But yeah, come on back. I think, and I'm not predicting either to happen. I think BYU is actually uh, somewhat pleased with independence and how it's going because Stewart mentioned I think that uh, the pandemic showed ways that the being independent is hard. I think it showed a way that independence is actually a really good thing because they were able to put together right. a schedule when no one else was putting it together a schedule. Uh, but also, I'm not predicting either of these to happen, but if it's between rejoining the Mountain West Conference and waiting until the next time that some of the Mountain West Conference members can leave and form a new conference, I'd say BYU is more likely to do that than go back to the Mountain West Conference. Yeah, I, I'm... I'm pretty I'm pretty certain this is not my opinion what I think should happen but I'm pretty certain they're going to stay independent for the long haul. I I would guess if you asked um the folks down there that BYU doesn't hate being able to do their own thing and not having to worry about uh, whipping support within a conference. I I bet they like that. And and that has a, been uh, a good political term there. Use of the political term, whipping some support. Yeah. Well, that's what it is. Yeah. I, I'm sure BYU got was was sick and tired of that because they wanted to do their thing in the Mountain West and the WAC before that, and the rest of the conference was eventually going to come along. But they had to, you know, kiss babies and and what what else do politicians shake hands. do? Shake hands and and do all that stuff. Like, oh yeah, you know, your opinion is is cute, Wyoming. 
but really, we're going to do it this way. And, you know, how can I get you to fall in line? Yeah, New Mexico, tell us what you think, but then we'll tell you what you're doing. Right. Well, And, you know, I'm sure that's not easy for all universities to get along in these conferences. You know, a lot of different opinions, especially you get different regions of the country and different student populations and those sorts of things. I'm sure it feels like herding cats a lot of the time and being able to kind of go out and do your own thing. Uh, probably the freedom that comes along with that is pretty nice. Yeah. L- let me ask you, those three, get, l- let me give you three options. BYU rejoins the Mountain West. Okay. BYU takes from the Mountain West and others and makes their own conference again, like they did from the WAC Before, to the Mountain West. Right. Or BYU gets into a P5. What happens sooner? Oh, man, I just don't think it. I, I want to say P5. We all want that to happen. And yeah. I want to say, well, the Big 12 comes to its senses and opens up the books, and we're going to have Big 12 football in Utah. I mean, that's what I want the answer to be. Probably the middle one. You get Craig Thompson out of the way, steal a bunch of schools, and form your own league. That's probably the most likely out of those three scenarios. Which is how many years away from being a likelihood now that they just re-signed a new, their new TV, TV deal? deal? Yeah, it's probably not going to happen. Five? How yeah. long is that deal? Oh, I'd have to go double yeah. check. It might be. I think it's longer than that. Yeah, five would be short. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. It, it looks like independence is is how it's going to go. And it, you know what? The the truly sad part, and we've we've said this a lot, but about this whole situation, is man, BYU. This BYU team is good, and they were going to be tested with some really interesting opponents. You know, it, I don't want to say independence was finally going to pay off because that's a hot take that I don't really believe. But this was going to be a fun year in independence because you were going to see a good BYU team go up against some really good competition, some name programs. It, it was not going to be easy. They were not going to go undefeated, certainly, but it was going to be pretty fascinating because they're good in the trenches. They've got an upperclassman quarterback. Uh, the defense seems to be playing uh, as the, the best since the in the Kalani era. And to have, you know, all that pulled out from under you, that stinks. But, I, you know, I'm staying with it. I, I don't care about the opponent. I'm glad BYU's playing. I'm glad we're watching the game tomorrow. I'm glad yeah. I'm going to stay up into the middle of the night to watch it. And you've got, Bring it on. You've got Coach McBride and Alema with you for two hours tomorrow, 2 to 4. Talking on football. a game day. Yeah. Previewing an actual game happening here in the backyard. Awesome. Incredible. It's great. We, we need more stuff like that, yep. actually. 100%. I agree. All right. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk a little NFL football. We're going to talk uh, the Oakland Raiders with uh, Scott Goldbranson, uh, co-host of Silver and Black Today on radio and silverandblacktoday.com, matter of the Pro Football Writers of America. We'll talk to him about the Raiders coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.